I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I'm passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For today's episode, I sat down with Susan Ports of Freedom Fertility on Instagram to talk about her personal fertility journey. So she is a fellow registered dietitian, and we actually connected several times through a mastermind that meets virtually on a regular basis. And I have loved following along with her journey on Instagram and really admire her transparency with her fertility struggles. As you all know, probably by now, I personally experienced pregnancy loss back in early 2020. However, I cannot relate to what it is like to have infertility and battle with that for years. And loss and infertility are both incredibly heartbreaking and devastating in their own ways. And I thought it would be really helpful to shine light on what this side of things looks like from someone who is currently going through it in case some of you are going through it yourselves as well. Or if you have loved ones who are navigating that tough season and you just want to know how to best support them through it. I love and admire Susan's perspective on all of this so much. I think you'll learn so much from her positive attitude, but also the nutrition tips that she shares from an intuitive eating dietitian's perspective and some of her thoughts on kind of like the fertility industry. So let's go ahead and dive in and hear from Susan on her fertility journey today. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be chatting with you about this. I obviously like as you guys listen to this episode, like you're going to learn like I'm super passionate about like fertility, especially like the infertility community. Um, So yes, I'm a registered dietitian. I am originally from Wisconsin. That is my home base. Um, But right now my husband and I live primarily in Pennsylvania. He's working out in Pennsylvania. So because I work virtually, we primarily live live out of there. But as I said, home base, still Wisconsin. People ask me that all the time. I'm like, home base, still Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) But you kind of, so you go back and forth. I do go back and forth. Usually I spend like around maybe like one week a month at home. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but yes, I'm finding that it's interesting when you've been like married and like lived with your, like I lived with my husband before we got married. And so like, we're very used to like be like being together and living with another person that then when you're like spending more time, like alone, like I, like sometimes I'm like, okay, this is like, I could use my alone time. And then other times I'm like, uh, I'm just like a little bored. And I don't know, (laughs) I think this might be like, just coming from like working from home Mm -hmm. and like being like alone a lot of the time that like during the day that then like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I miss that like transition of like when he gets home from work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So yes, but it's been a, it's been a cool experience nonetheless. So yes, a little bit more about me. I am a dietitian. I am a 
food freedom, intuitive eating. Um, I am certified in intuitive eating, anti-diet, all that stuff, dietitian. And I also am on a fertility journey. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that in detail, but uh, we are currently in the IVF process. And just this whole experience has made me very passionate about a lot of the nonsense that goes on inside of the fertility world and kind of like stepping out like against a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm excited to kind of get into that a little bit because I think, I think diet culture and fertility culture overlap a lot and you kind of call that out a lot. Um, and we're both very passionate about, you know, intuitive eating and helping people just make peace with food and their bodies and all of that stuff. So I think this will be there's a lot of great overlap between all of these topics, I think. So, yeah, let's kind of start off at the very beginning of your trying to conceive journey. So, you know, what did that look like? Kind of maybe was it early on in your marriage? And, you know, again, throughout most of our lives, a lot of us are like, trying not to get pregnant, right? And then we get to the point where we do want to get pregnant and we're like, oh, wow, it's not that easy, right? And so, yeah, what did that kind of look like for you initially when you decided that you were ready to grow your family? Yeah, it's so funny. I like joke all the time. I'm like literally in like high school, like, you know, when you go into like health and like sex education, they're like, (laughs) oh, if you sit on a toilet seat, you're going to get pregnant. And I'm like, <laughs> literally like the biggest joke of my life. Yeah. But <laughs> so my husband and I got married in 2015. And then we started trying to build our family in 2017. Okay. Um, so that was about a little bit over five years ago. We started in like the summer of 2017. And I remember like thinking like, this is like, honestly, I'll be honest with you guys. Like I can make jokes about this stuff now. Like I am not for the most part, like I have like sad days and frustrating days, but I'm like, at this point, like I've made a lot of peace and acceptance with our Mm -hmm. journey and our situation. So that's why I'm able to like, I feel like talk about this so freely and be like open about it. Um, but I remember thinking like the first month my period was late and I thought I was pregnant and Oh my God. It just like literally makes me laugh now. That was not the case. (laughs) That's not what happened at all. But basically what happened was, so we basically, you know, we did what they said you should do, which is you try for a year and then you like go to the doctor. So we did that. And then I went to like a nurse practitioner to like get some lab work done and trigger warning, like if this is just triggering for anyone, but like when I went in for that appointment, like one of the things that was said to me was like, maybe if you gain a little weight, you'll get pregnant. And, uh, here's the thing, like as a dietitian, like I knew I wasn't at, like I was getting my period regularly. Like I, like to me, like that was a very flippant comment. And it was Mm -hmm. like, And it, to me, like, that's like very frustrating because then I also see the opposite end of the spectrum where people are told like, oh, if you lose weight, you'll get pregnant. And so it's like, right. It's such BS sometimes how things are just like weight Mm -hmm. is like thrown around all the time is like a solution. Right. Right. Um, It's always the first thing. It seems like it's everything else is overlooked and it's just like, oh, this is your BMI. You should do this or this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And BMI is just like a terrible way to measure health. Anyway. <laughs> right. Yes. So anyway, yeah. So I got the lab work done. All my labs came back like normal. Um, and my husband did his workup and that's when we were like first told that like sperm was potentially our issue. But honestly, like at the time we were in the middle of selling our first house, moving into our next house, and he was like busy with some project at work. And so we kind of just like chalked it all up to like, oh, stress. And I have a lot to say about that now, but that's like what we chalked it up to. Um, so we kind of like put off like any further follow-up on it, but when things still weren't happening the following spring, so probably like seven months later, then he went in for another follow-up and he saw a reproductive urologist and which I highly recommend if you're dealing with any sort of male factor, you see like a reproductive urologist, don't just Mm -hmm. go see a urologist. Mm -hmm. So he followed up with the reproductive urologist. That's when we figured out that he actually had like a grade two varicocele. And our options then basically were presented to us at this point of like, okay, you could start doing fertility treatments, IUI maybe, but like maybe go to IVF or you could do surgery to correct the varicocele. And then like potentially that would like improve sperm quality and you'd maybe be able to get pregnant on your own. So we kind of like tossed around what we wanted to do. And at that point we jumped into fertility treatments because we had heard from other people that had had the surgery that it maybe like wasn't the most effective. Mm, So we did like four rounds of IUI, like the remainder of that year still didn't work. And like, I just feel like that thing you have to like, remember sometimes I'm like, gosh, this has been like so incredibly long, right? Like Mm -hmm. 2017 was a long time ago. (laughs) Like this is like pre-COVID. Yeah. Like three years pre-COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like, I feel like that thing you have to remember about like the fertility journey and just like, while you're going through all of this is like one, you have to keep living your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, we would like plan things and like go on a vacation or what, you know, like we would do stuff. And then, you know, it'd be like, I just feel like we kept being sold this idea of like, oh, if you just do this, like then you'll get pregnant naturally. Mm -hmm. And so like, I was so hung up on getting pregnant naturally. And that's Mm -hmm. part of the reason why we've been on this for so incredibly long. Yeah. Um, there's other reasons too, but anyways, so what ended up happening is after those IUIs didn't work, then we decided like, let's do the surgery. Plus we'd also at the time, our insurance coverage changed and we had coverage for the surgery, which Mm -hmm. we originally didn't have coverage for the surgery. And so the thought of like paying out of pocket for a surgery that like, wasn't going to work was like, right okay, we'll stick our money into fertility treatments. Right. And did the surgery. The thing about the surgery that you have to know is like, especially when you're dealing with male factors after the surgery takes three to 12 months to see the result. Three months is the minimum. So, I mean, after three months, like he was like seeing the improvements and we started doing IUIs again after like six months because things were like pretty significantly better all that stuff. So then we did another four IUIs. I have a lot of opinions about this stuff. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We did four more IUIs still didn't work. And so at that point, then we're like, all right, we're going to move on to like IVF. So at that point we were, it was 2021. 
because my husband had the surgery in 2020. And we saw miraculously, like he got in for that surgery in like June of 2020, like right when they just started doing elective surgeries again after all the COVID stuff, like when they like shut everything down. Yeah. So we did our first round of IVF in Wisconsin in the summer of 2021. And we got like eight eggs, which was not nearly as many as we were expecting. Do you, uh, do you mind telling us what's like, I guess, quote unquote, average or normal? I, for people who, including myself, who don't really know what, what you kind of, what did you expect really? So I guess what we were told at that clinic at the time was somewhere between 10 and 12. Okay. Now I do think that this varies based on the clinic. Okay. Um, and then it also varies based on the person because I feel like what, So the thing that you have to remember, and I'm sure I'm going to say this again, as we talk about this, is that IVF is an experiment. Mm -hmm. You really have to look at IVF as like, literally, like they're just taking medications to experiment with the medication, see how your body's going to respond to it. See how many like eggs you grow, see how many they will get in the retrieval. Like, and then from there, like they're experimenting, like, you know, they put the sperm in and then like seeing like how they grow out and like, a lot of this has to do with, again, the medications, the labs, your doctors, like there are just so many, it's literally a science experiment on your yeah. ability to reproduce. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I it's it's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. And like so much of it really honestly doesn't even have anything like you don't have control over it. And I think right. that's something I talk a lot about on my Instagram is like, you just, you think you have control over this stuff. You're being sold that you have control over your fertility, you know? And like, it's just not true. Like, you know, like, yes, there are things that you can do to like keep your body, like feeling good and to take care of like your physical and your mental health. But like the way that we are sold, you know, that you have so much control over it to me is really false advertising because it's, That's not actually the case. So when we did our first round of IVF, we ended up with two embryos, which was exciting because at that point we're like, okay, like we can make embryos because like every step of IVF is like, I mean, it's a hurdle. It's a lot of steps. Like it's not just like take the eggs, the sperm, put it together and like put it in the body. Like, yeah. So the embryo, this is such a stupid question probably, but the embryo is when the egg actually takes the sperm, correct? Yes. Okay. So what, so what they, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, so many people ask me this. So what they actually do is they take the eggs out of your body. So they give you medications, you grow a lot of follicles. So normally in a typical month, you just like, you might grow follicles, but you're only ovulate from like one follicle. So you only okay. release typically one egg a month. Um, and so in IVF, they give you medications that will cause you to grow more follicles. And then they give you a medication to ovulate all these eggs. Mm -hmm. And then they go in and they retrieve all the eggs. And then because we have like a male factor, they do a procedure where they take the sperm and they inject it straight into the egg. Okay. And then basically from there, I did forget a part. Not all of the eggs that they get are going to be like the right size. They have to be the right size. And that's the biggest thing. And not all of them that they get will be the right size. And then once they inject the sperm, then they let them grow for typically like five to six days. Um, 
and not all of the eggs that they inject with the sperm are going to grow into mm-hmm. they what they want them to be is a blastocyst stage. And so they grow them for five to six days. And once they are at that stage, then you have the option of like, you can transfer it like without freezing it. You can freeze it and then transfer it in like a next cycle or future cycles. And then you can test it for like genetic testing, which really what they're looking at when they do that is to make sure there's a normal amount of chromosomes. Cause if there's Mm. really, and I I know this is a sensitive subject and people get, have different feelings about it, but Mm -hmm. um, what they have found in research is that if it has an abnormal amount of chromosomes, two things could happen. One, you could get pregnant and most likely most of the time you will miscarry. Mm -hmm. And then it could also just not even stick at all. Yeah. So then you're like going through all of this. Yeah. When your odds are not very good. Mm So when we did our first round of IVF, we opted not to do any of the genetic testing. We didn't even do any like pre-genetic screening for my husband and I. And honestly, the well, one that was never offered to us was this like Mm -hmm. pre-genetic screening. Genetic testing of the embryos was offered to us, but to be honest with you, is an extra five thousand dollars. Oh wow! And we were already paying like one round of IVF is roughly about $15,000. Yeah. And the medications anywhere from like five to $7,000. And I would say most of our cycles have been around $7,000. Wow. So then you just like, when you're looking at like to spend another $5,000 on top of it, we were like, no. Right. Um, That's not, not exactly like chump change right there. (laughs) Not really. And, and then like, we were also at that point in the game, you know, they were very confident that it would only take one cycle of IVF to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And like, there was just a lot of stuff that I guess we were not maybe like made aware of and didn't understand. And I think we were told a lot of things that maybe were true for a lot of people, but not true for everyone. And so that is something that does kind of, like I said, you learn a lot. And so I have a lot of like thoughts and opinions on this stuff now that I maybe didn't have before. Yeah. But what ended up happening was, so we had the two embryos that were not tested. We transferred them both in two different cycles. So individually, like one and then the other, and neither of them stuck. Mm. We never got pregnant not like nothing. And I just like, remember feel like feeling like multiple ways. One, I felt like this is going to sound like really, really weird. And I don't even know how to explain this, but I think, and, and maybe this is just with intuitive eating. I don't know, but I feel rather intuitive. So I just didn't have a great feeling to be honest about our clinic. Mm. I didn't have a great feeling that like, that clinic was like, I don't know for you. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, that's like where it was going to happen. And yeah. And after our IVF cycle didn't work, I mean, our doctor pretty much said to me, like, I don't know why you're not pregnant. Hmm. Like they're looking at like in one of the biggest things, if you're in the fertility industry and you're familiar with this, they look a lot at age. Yeah. And, uh, at the time I was 31. Yeah. And 31 is a pretty great age for fertility. Right, right. Yeah. So 
they were looking at that and we were told like at, by that particular doctor, like, look, I'll do another round, um, but I'll only give you one more chance. Okay. And we're like, okay, well, I would say like about six weeks after our second failed embryo transfer, that was when my husband got asked if he was interested in um, running a project in Pennsylvania for the company that he works for. Mm. Um, And it's funny because at the time we were literally like weeks away from moving into our brand new house that we've been building. And And like, and my initial react, like we hadn't even moved in yet. My initial reaction was like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, like my husband was excited about the opportunity and it was only a year and a half. We knew that like other opportunities could potentially be longer than that. So a year and a half project, he works in construction. So a year and a half project isn't actually all that long in the construction world. Right. Um, So he got asked and basically what happened was like that happened in September of last year. And we had kind of said like, well, maybe like if we're going to do IVF again, like we're not going to do it until like, you know, the new year, maybe no idea what we're going to do. Like I was really, after we finished that IVF cycle, like I was fried. I was just like, I was so mad about the whole situation and like, just like, nothing like felt right. Like that's like literally the only way that I can explain it is like nothing felt right. And I was just like, so frustrated. So yeah, we maybe like a couple of weeks before Eric ended up essentially moving to Pennsylvania to start this project, which was in February of this year. I like randomly was like, I should look up this clinic that like one of my past clients told me about, like this is when I wasn't even doing fertility stuff. Like mm-hmm. this is when I was just doing food freedom. And like one of my past clients told me about this clinic and I looked it up and they had a clinic like within an hour of where we were going to be living and looked into them further. Like they have like great financial programs. They actually offer a shared risk program, which basically means like we paid a flat fee for up to six IVF cycles. And the flat fee, let me tell you, was a phenomenal price compared to what we would pay for six cycles just Mm. in general. Yeah. And we got connected to a really great doctor at this clinic. So we, in the spring, it's like we reestablished. So you re-go through like all the testing. Like I had like procedures that I've already had done before. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah. So like, I mean, that part kind of stinks, but yeah, (laughs) um, we did that. And basically we found out then in having the second opinion. And this is just like another nugget of information for anyone that's like going through this is just like, don't be afraid to seek a second opinion and go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, and if you're not getting the answers that you need and you're not happy and you don't feel right about it, like go somewhere else. Because what I know now is that so much of your results have to do with your clinic. They have to do with your doctor. They have to do with the lab. And when we met with our doctor that we now have in Pennsylvania, he basically said like, okay, like we're still dealing with some sort of a male factor. It's not like a huge like male factor, but we're still dealing with something like that. Other than that, like everything else is like normal. And he like reviewed all of our records from like our previous treatments. Mm -hmm. And like, when I say this, you're going to be like, this is why she's so passionate about this. But he was basically like, I think that you guys didn't get enough attention 
at your previous clinic. You didn't get enough one-on-one attention. To me, like what that really means is like, like I said before, IVF is an experiment. So like mm-hmm. you have to look at everybody's body is different. This is the exact stuff that like you and I tell people all the time. Like yeah. everybody's body is different. You can't treat everyone's body the same, but that's how we were treated mm. in our first clinic is that everybody's body is the same. Yeah. And so he felt like we didn't get enough attention. He felt like potentially like the lab didn't like do a great enough job. So moral of the story is now we have done two egg retrievals there. And I continue to learn that it's an experiment because the first time we did our egg retrieval, my body did not like a particular protocol of medication. So they didn't get as many eggs as they were expecting. And we only ended up with one embryo and that embryo did not test normal because this time around we are opting to do genetic testing. Mm. Um, and that is partially because it's actually a lot cheaper at this clinic. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> and it was like highly recommended. And so we did that. And then then we did another egg retrieval recently in September. And that one, my body actually responded really, really well to the medications. However, for some insane reason, like I don't even know what the odds of this are, but the trigger shot that they give you that like makes you ovulate all of your eggs mm-hmm. didn't work for me. Mm. And so it could be that there's some sort of human error, like you have to remix it. We don't like we've remeasured stuff. We don't think that's what happened. There could have been something wrong with the medication. I like my body could have metabolized it really fast. I, I don't know, but they only got one egg. Oh, wow. But yeah, but somehow that one egg turned into an embryo and it actually came back as a normal embryo. So we do have one frozen embryo right now. Amazing. It, it, it is amazing. It's we're shocked. Yeah, right. <laughs> With just one, just one chance. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah, but we're. So right now we're kind of at a crossroads. We have a follow-up with our doctor in a couple of weeks. And our crossroads is that potentially, because we were, before we knew that this embryo was normal, um, our doctor had recommended like repeating the cycle, doing another egg retrieval, just because he was like, I just like, he's like, you guys like just haven't even had a fair chance yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So there, so I, we're kind of at the crossroads. I believe I will know more soon, but of kind of deciding if we want to do another egg retrieval before we were to transfer this embryo or if we want to transfer this embryo. Gosh, well, sending all the prayers and good vibes your way. Hey friends, interrupting this conversation really fast to tell you about a brand I love, and that is Hill & Hazel. Hill & Hazel is an online boutique owned by my friend Hillary that sells the freaking cutest clothes at affordable prices. She launches new items every single week, and I promise you will not be disappointed. Check out her page at Shop Hill and Hazel on Instagram and you'll see what I mean. Whether you need some cute tops for going out with friends, a new dress for weddings, baby showers, or other festivities, or even shoes and accessories, she has you covered. She offers a great mix of basics and closet staples, as well as fun and unique items that you will love. You can use my code SHANNA10 to get 10% off your purchase at hillandhazel.com. Happy shopping! 
that is just such an emotional roller coaster. And and like you said, you're at the point now where you can kind of like have humor. And and I think humor is an amazing coping mechanism and something that can help you get through really hard shit <laughs> like this. And, you know, so I think it obviously it takes time to kind of get to that place where you're like can can laugh about certain things that obviously at the time were far from funny um, <laughs> and even now still aren't funny. But yeah, I mean, just kind of walk us through like that mental and emotional process and also the process with your partner. Like, you know, how have you and your husband coped both together and individually because men and women handle these types of things very differently. I've learned that throughout marriage. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd love to hear you speak on, you know, how you navigate your marriage throughout all of this stuff. Yeah. The emotional and like the mental roller coaster is like very taxing. And I think like the biggest thing that like I've learned, so I've done a lot of therapy. I've done like fertility, like life coaching programs and stuff that have helped me like tremendously just to like understand that, like, look, here's the deal. And again, like, this is might just sound like really, I can't believe she's saying that, but it's like, everybody goes through shit, right? Like nobody's life is perfect. And, and I'm not saying that, like, it is hard, but you have to like, and I feel like there was like this chunk of time within our journey where I was like super depressed. I cried all the time. I felt like, you know, I literally, I, I would, if I was to describe it now, I'd say like, I thought the world was ending. Right. Because like, I wasn't getting pregnant and everybody around me was getting pregnant Mm -hmm. like multiple times over. And like, just all like, just felt like so terrible. Like I just felt so terrible all the time. Like felt so shitty. And it was like, here's the thing. Like, I feel like what people need to know is you need to hold space for that. Like, it's okay to feel like crap. And I still don't get me wrong. Like I still have days where I have bad days and I just like want to cry. I still sometimes am triggered by pregnancy announcements. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like it does, you know, make me mad, but that's okay because I'm human. And like, that's what everyone needs to realize is like, you're a human. So like allow yourself to like feel the way that you feel Mm -hmm. and like give yourself like the grace and the respect for that. But I also think like I've done a lot of self-growth and like personal development to like really learn and understand like essentially like how my brain works Mm. to learn like so many of the things that you think are not true. Like you think a million things every day that are not true. And like your head is literally just like making shit up every day. (laughs) Like it's literally like, yeah. And it's like telling you all this stuff is the worst possible case scenario. And it's like, no, it's not. And I think that like one of the bigger things. And this is honestly something that I've really like tried to embrace more recently. And I like talked to one of my really good friends about this, but is like recognizing now that like, I don't need a baby to be happy. Yeah. And that getting pregnant and having a baby is not going to solve all my quote unquote problems. Mm -hmm. It's not people that have, and people that are on the fertility journey have a really hard time understanding this, but let me just like People that are not like that have kids or get pregnant, like still have problems. Right. <laughs> yes. Like different like, problems, but still problems. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like completely different problems, but yeah. it's like, it's not going to like make everything perfect. It's not going right. to like sunshine and rainbows. Again, like it is hard and I don't mean to like make light of it, but it's just, I think just like recognizing that, like you're not alone. Everybody carries shit, allow Mm -hmm. space for it and allow yourself to feel that way. But then also remember that like 
you can be happy. You can find ways to bring happiness into your life without a baby. Mm -hmm. And just even like imagining our life without kids, like that was something that I started to do. Mm -hmm. And like, now I can imagine it. And I'm like, actually it'd be pretty sweet. Cause guess what? We would always get good sleep. Like, here's the thing I know about friends (laughs) that like have kids, like they don't get good sleep, right? Like they're (laughs) waking up all the time. Like Jim's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully we're in a phase. I'm going to probably jinx myself, but right now he's sleeping beautifully, (laughs) (laughs) but, but everything is a season. (laughs) Right. See, and that's the thing you just never know. Like I like jokingly said to my husband, like, I mean, I, again, like, obviously we, like, we want kids, like there's lots of like fun things to do with kids. But my point is like, there's a lot of fun things to do without kids too. Like, right. Like I said to my husband, I was like, we're not going to spend Saturdays at like soccer tournaments or baseball games or whatever the heck it is. It's like, we're going to be at the lake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that, like, again, like my point is like, I can see it both ways now. Right before yeah I was like so hung up on it that like I Mm -hmm. couldn't see it both ways yeah and I think by seeing it both ways I'm less attached to the outcome Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I wasn't super mad and super depressed when they only got one egg yeah in that last retrieval yeah I literally texted one of my really good friends and said it is over oh and I was like it is over and like the first thing she said to me, it was like, yeah, but you got one egg. Like you, you don't know that it's over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, she was right. And when this embryo, when it turned into an embryo and then it came back normal and I like texted her, she was like, huh, imagine that. Thought it was over. <laughs> yeah. Like, you <laughs> so your brain, me. your brain is feeding you thoughts that aren't true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay. But my point, I know that you asked me about the husband situation. So yeah. this, the thing that that's like me. That's how I deal with it. My, the way my husband deals with it is very differently. Mm-hmm. And he's very like internally, like he doesn't like say a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, what's helped is recognizing that like men and women deal with things very differently. Mm-hmm. And just because he's not saying anything or whatever, like doesn't mean that he like doesn't care. Yeah. Um, but also therapy, therapy, yeah. therapy, therapy. <laughs> like, yeah. Go for to him or for you or together together. I'm okay. like, yeah. And that's actually something that we started doing recently, but I'm like, we should have done it a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so great. We did premarital counseling. So obviously before we were married, but even then it was like so awesome to have kind of like an outside party <laughs> start conversations for you and also kind of narrate and help you navigate situations that you wouldn't do productively outside of that situation. So yeah, that's, that would be super nice. Cause yeah, men do tend to internalize things like this that are difficult and yeah, it can come off that they don't care, but he for sure cares. It's just different. Yeah. So that's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah, So different. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Therapy, couples therapy. Again, I think something that everyone could benefit from, but for sure through going through a season like that. If you're looking for cute, affordable, comfortable, and ethically made activewear, listen up. I tried some pieces from Paragon Fitwear for the first time recently, and I fell in love. The naked crop top and high-rise naked leggings specifically are my personal favorites. They are buttery soft, so freaking cozy, and great for workouts or lounging around the house. They even have some work leisure items so you can look put together but still feel like you're in sweats. And as someone who works from home, I really appreciate these options. 
I have loved every item of clothing I've tried from there, so I definitely recommend checking them out if you're looking for some new workout clothes. You can use my affiliate code Wellness for the Win to save on your order at ParagonFitwear.com. Okay, now back to the show. What about, so, you know, we've touched on the fact, obviously, that you are a dietitian. So I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on, again, sort of the fertility industry and some of the messaging that is out there that is targeting these very vulnerable women. And what do you feel is helpful versus harmful? And what also have you found to be helpful nutritionally for yourself throughout this journey um, or anything specific that you try to focus on or avoid, I guess? Yeah, I think I kind of alluded to this earlier, but like, there's just a lot of marketing in the fertility industry. I just like started leaving it as fertility culture because to yeah. me, like you were so, like, it's very much a parallel diet culture. Like mm-hmm. it's literally like this system of beliefs that like, if you just do enough, if you just work hard enough, take enough supplements, eat enough of the right things, then your body will be perfect and you will get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just not true. And I'm saying that from personal experience of what I have done, because when we started this journey five years ago, I was not an intuitive eating dietitian. I was not a food freedom dietitian. And that transition happened, uh, probably like three ish years ago, three to four years ago. I don't even remember now. Now it feels like I don't know if you feel like this, but it feels like a life, like a yeah. different life. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. like I can't even remember what it was like to not think this way, but right. Um, I see a lot of like, eat this and then you'll get pregnant. Like I, this one stands out to me all the time. Like, cause people will like send me messages on Instagram, but like, if I just eat more kale and liver, like, but I don't want to yeah. eat kale and liver. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to eat kale and liver either. I'm not yeah. eating kale and liver right. and I don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. And I know that that's not the reason why I'm not pregnant yet. Right. Right. And there's just so much like demonizing around, like, I would say like sugar. I'm sure you've seen like, see oh, this yeah. like sugar sure. and carbs and gluten. Mm-hmm. And I see so many women like posting like, on fertility accounts that like, I'm going to go gluten-free for this. Even like women, like doing IVF, like I'm going to go gluten-free. I'm going to, I'm eating clean. Mm-hmm. And I say that with a lot of compassion, because that was definitely something that I did. Yeah. Uh, it, the problem with doing all these quote unquote, like diets or eating patterns, whatever you want to call them is that it honestly, for a lot of people, like I get messages, like it's not fun, right? Like, right. It's not fun when you're trying to lose weight and it's not fun when you're trying to get pregnant either. Like, because then it turns into this cycle of like, I'm going to try this. And then like you do it and then you don't get pregnant. And so then you're like, go back to Google and then you find something else and then you do that. And then, you know, and then it doesn't work again. And so then you're like constantly in the cycle of like, oh, what do I need to do? And you just feel like you're not eating perfect enough and you're blaming yourself. Like you think that the reason why you're not getting pregnant has like something to do with like what you're eating Mm -hmm. or doing to your body, you know? And it is just, to me, what frustrates me about that is that the fertility journey is painful enough without all of that. Right. like I said before, it's like, I went through probably this like three-year time frame where I was like literally so depressed about all this and like 
it is so incredibly hard to one, be told your entire life that as soon as you stop preventing pregnancy, you're going to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then that doesn't happen. And then all these people around you are getting pregnant in what appears to be like, not even trying. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, yeah. And like, it, it is just so hard and it's so painful and it's such a time of like, just reflection. And like, I think then when you like add this like extra layer of like, oh, now I, I can't enjoy my coffee in the morning. I can't stop yeah. to get yeah. the pumpkin spice latte that I want. I can't go out to dinner and order a burger and fries and my favorite cocktail. Like you like start telling yourself you can't do all these little things that like yeah. bring you joy and happiness. And like you stop doing them. And then all of a sudden, literally what's you're like depressed because you can't get pregnant. And then you're depressed because you can't enjoy anything else. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's the thing to me. That's like, this is got to stop. Yeah, for sure. You have to like put your foot down somewhere. And, and like I said, it's, it's such a vulnerable population of people, right. You know, and so, so similar with people who are wanting to lose weight, you know, they'll do anything to achieve that. And same with pregnancy, you know, it's such a, such a vulnerable time. And, it is unfortunate that, that there's so many companies that are preying on women. And like you said, you know, there are some things out there that, of course, can support our fertility, could support our bodies physically and mentally throughout the journey. But a lot of people can do all the quote unquote right things and still not get pregnant. Like you said, a lot of it is unfortunately out of our control. And so, yeah, I think that's a really important reminder for people who are trying to do all the things. Avoid alcohol, avoid caffeine, avoid sugar, avoid gluten, avoid freaking everything. It's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta draw the line somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, you seriously do. And, and I think like there are things that you can do to support your body. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be like that. Right. Completely agree. And some, some of the things that you mentioned, a lot of people, or I had several women submit questions or comments who are going through that or have really close friends who are going through it, who are like, okay, what are some of the best ways we can support people that we love who are going through a fertility journey? Like how often should we check in on someone, for example, that's going through IVF? Because it's like, it's that tricky balance of wanting to be supportive, obviously, but not feeling like you're being nosy or prying on, you know, are you pregnant yet or something, right? So what are your tips on how to like navigate those conversations or how do you appreciate like your friends navigating that with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really great question. The first thing that I would say is like, just ask them, like ask them like what you can do to support them or just be open and honest and just say like, Hey, like, I don't want to bother you. I don't want you to feel like I'm like crying, but like, I care about you. And so like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just want to like check in, like literally like ask them what they need. Yeah. And if they say they don't need anything, they do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They say they don't need anything. Like then maybe they're just someone that like, doesn't need to like talk about things or doesn't like want to share a lot. And if that's the case, then I think you can support them like without doing those things, you know, like sending them a card, like, Oh, I'm thinking of you or, you know, Venmoing them like five bucks for a coffee or like, just like little thing Mm -hmm. to like brighten their day. Like, I think those are so appreciated. Yeah. I know like when I've had like really tough days and people have like sent me things, you know, like that has been like super helpful. Like it just reminds you of, again, like you're not in this alone. And like 
also reminds you like people like want this for you too. Yeah. They do want it for you. Like it feels like it's you versus the world, but Mm -hmm. they are on your side. You just have to like allow them to care for you. And I would definitely say like texting people. Like, I think that's like one of the greatest inventions ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, cause it's such a quick and easy way to, and like a touch point to just like really check in with someone and it can go such a long way. That's something that I've tried to be super intentional about. And honestly, something that this is like reminding me, I need to get back to doing it more consistently is like texting someone I haven't talked to in a while and just checking in. And, and I did that with someone, I had a friend going through IVF not too long ago. And when, when she was kind of in that period where I was like, gosh, well, based on the timing of everything, she could possibly be pregnant at this time. So I'm just going to send her a text and say, Hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. I hope everything's going okay. And then that leaves, leaves it kind of open where if they want to take the conversation further, they can, but they can also just say, thank you. And kind of accept that. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I'm like, I I think if you're someone that's like going through this, like you need to accept those things, like be Mm -hmm. willing to like receive like the fact that like, yeah, like your friend is checking in on you. And one of the things that I have done is like, I kind of have like the core group of people, right. Like that I share things with like Mm -hmm. first. And sometimes I I have like a hard time sometimes that like, I was, I was so sick of texting people like sad stuff, like, Oh, it didn't work. Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm so sick of that, that for a while I was like, Yo, if you want to know what's going on, just go check out Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the thing where as someone that's like going through this, like you just have to create your own boundaries and decide like mm-hmm. what's going to work for you. But just don't be afraid to like reach out to people because they do need it. Sometimes it's just hard, especially like I would say it is hard sometimes to like talk to your friends that have kids about yeah. it. Yeah. Especially like if they haven't struggled, like they just don't understand. Right. For sure. And so the other thing might be like finding people that do understand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's always the most helpful to talk to people who can empathize and who know exactly what you're going through. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good tip. I did have several women submit um, in the question box and they just said the same thing, like ask us about it. Like we want to talk about it. It's helpful for us to talk about it. It's therapeutic to talk about it. So I think that's a good, good reminder for, again, I think, A lot of people are afraid of talking about grief or, I mean, any difficult topics, you know, we're all just like uncomfortable with it and we don't know how to navigate it. But saying something is usually better than saying nothing. So I think that, you know, hopefully people will take that away and check in on their friends that may be going through this. And also too, like checking in with ourselves and like the questions that people ask, like, have you had the experience of people, you know, throughout your journey, maybe prior to you being open about it publicly where people are like, Oh, are you, when are you going to have kids and stuff like that? Those questions are so common. And obviously they're like not coming from a malicious place, but it's obviously very harmful and hurtful when you're like in that place. So what are your kind of thoughts on that? And how, how do you like navigate those questions now if you receive them? Do you kind of like be open and honest to kind of like put them in their place or what does that usually look like? Um, I love (laughs) this. Yeah. So, um, before, oh, it was so hard that I would get like so mad. Yeah. Um, but now that was actually part of the reason why I started sharing it publicly was because I was just like, stop asking me. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that people stop asking me. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because like, so people, I, I think we like forget about it, like, but people ask my husband about it 
And um, because now you guys, you've been married for seven years, which is a rather uncommon length of time, you know? And like, I'm sure people are like, you guys are in your thirties. Are you going to have like, if they don't know, but at this point, a lot of people know our story, but he will say to people, oh yeah, like we're working on it or like someday, Mm -hmm. or like sometimes he will just say like, yeah, it's not as easy as you think it is. Yeah. Well, good. (laughs) It's true. I feel like almost like (laughs) the way like he responds to it is actually like probably better than I, but now again, like most people know because we do share publicly. Um, but actually that's been kind of therapeutic. Because that gives you the opportunity to connect with, again, women who are going through it and know the struggle. Yeah. So many, like, sometimes, like, if I just, like, sit back and, like, reflect on the DMs that I get, it's just so amazing. And even, like, what's even really cool is sometimes, like, people that did IVF and then now, like, have their kids, you know, like, Mm -hmm. will, like, comment on, like, my posts and, like, will say their story or, like, when I posted that we only had, I shouldn't say only, but when I posted that our one egg, like, was an embryo and that it was normal, it was, like, I had like a lot of people commenting that like, oh my gosh, we only had one too. And now that one is X, you know, this whole whatever. And it's like, it's like, there is a community within it. So it's like anything, like you just have to like find your people Mm -hmm. that will help support you. Absolutely. So, so true. Okay, I have to tell you guys about one of my absolute favorite things that I'm pretty confident that you need in your life as well. We're all on our phones for a large portion of every day, right? So why not make it easier and more comfortable to hold your phone or prop it up with a nifty little gadget? I'm talking about my love handle phone grip. I'm seriously obsessed with this thing. So it's a stretchy strap that you can put on the back of your phone, but you can still lay your phone flat or stick it in your back pocket. It also has a little kickstand on the back so you can prop your phone up, which is probably my favorite feature that I'm using constantly. It even has a super strong magnet on the back. They have tons of cute designs and you can stick them on any phone case. If you've been looking for something like this, look no further. Use my affiliate code wellness for the win for 10% off your purchase of Love Handle. All right, let's get back to the show. And what about a couple of people ask, how do you cope when you feel like you're surrounded by pregnancy? And like you mentioned before, pregnancy announcements, is there anything specific? Do you like log off of social media if you feel triggered or like, what is that kind of coping process for you? Yeah. So you're allowed to feel however you want to feel. You're also allowed to create boundaries. So, um, I no longer have a personal Instagram account. I, I do have a personal Facebook, but I also have a what I call a dummy Facebook. <laughs> and my dummy Facebook is for the stuff that like I genuinely need Facebook for. Um, yeah. <laughs> as a business owner, I do need Facebook for some things. Yeah. So that is actually the primary Facebook that I use. And then I will deactivate my personal Facebook and just like stay off of it because yeah. you don't have to subject yourself. Right. Right. And you can like, if people are talking about it, create the boundary, like Mm -hmm. say, like, I don't want to know. Like, I think you can just like tell people like, I don't want to know. Yeah. Create that boundary. And it just knowing like, it's okay if you do feel triggered because like, ultimately, like, depending on like (laughs) how old you are, like you might probably still have a lot of friends that like get pregnant. So I really Mm -hmm. appreciate when people just text me and just say like, say that they're pregnant, but I also appreciate the fact that like when people like acknowledge the fact that like, 
Hey, I know that this might be like super hard for you. And we're praying for you. We're keeping you in our thoughts. You know, I love it when people like say it, but then acknowledge, you know, like that, like it is hard. And to me, like that just is what feels the best for me. But um, that doesn't mean that when someone texts me and tells me that they're pregnant, and even if they do all those things, I'm not still like triggered. And so if that happens, like you just have to let yourself feel it. Yeah. Exactly. And like you said before, you're human and it's totally normal and valid to have those thoughts. And it doesn't mean that you're not happy for the person, but you're sad for yourself and that's okay. Like totally more than okay. Very understandable. And a few people said the same thing in the question box. So I know that that was a common feel that people appreciate the text message versus like, especially if it's a close friend and feeling like, you know, all of a sudden surprised when you see their pregnancy announcement on social media, like having that courtesy to say, hey, just so you know, before I like you know, blast it to the world. So I think that's a good, good reminder as well. (laughs) And someone asked about fertility appointments. If they are in a fertility journey and they have booked an appointment, but it's like months out, how do you deal with that waiting process? Because I think IVF in itself, and of course the whole journey is so much waiting. And it's like, how do you find, again, how do you find joy throughout that process and like fill the time so you don't feel like you're literally just like watching the clock? (laughs) It literally feels like, it feels like you're in an airport, right? Like hurry up and wait. That's like my yes. husband's biggest joke about like when you're in yes. an airport, it's like hurry up and wait. Yep. And that's like kind of what it feels like. Cause yep. you're like, oh my gosh, I have to like get this appointment. And then you're like so excited and you hurry up and then it's like, oh my God, my consult's this many months and it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean, the one thing to know is you can look for other clinics that maybe you don't have to wait as long. Yeah. However, either way, it doesn't matter. There's going to be a waiting involved with like treatments. Like right now I'm in a cycle, but not do anything. And that's okay. Honestly, one, like take the time, like for your body to recover and to like feel good, like whatever it need, you need. But the other thing that really helps me is planning things like, mm-hmm. pl- I shouldn't even just say planning, but like planning fun things to do that, like you really enjoy. So yeah. That has been like a huge thing for me. And it could be something as simple as just taking a day trip or Mm -hmm. going to do like a concert with friends or because we're living out on the East Coast right now and we're trying to like take advantage of like going to see things out there. Like Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is I'm just like planning a ton of stuff to do out there, like to travel and see. And it makes it like feel bad. Like you have to keep living your life. So like plan the fun stuff that you want to do, like plan the vacation. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Like, I remember like so many times I'd be like, Oh my God, but what if I'm pregnant? Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Figure it out. Yes. Yes. So true. Plan it, plan it. Mm -hmm. That's a good tip. Yeah. Having stuff to look forward to. So you're not just like twiddling your thumbs waiting for answers or treatments or whatever it may be. That's a really good Good tip. Continue to live your life. And and like you said, if you're pregnant or if you have a baby at that time, like shit, just plan it. <laughs> Get it on the right, calendar. Exactly. You'll figure like, it out. Literally, you will figure it out. Like, yeah. I, yeah, you will. Yeah, so true. What is one thing you, I know you actually kind of mentioned a few of these, but what are a few things that you wish you could have told yourself at the beginning of this journey? This is a really good question too. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> This was mine. (laughs) Yeah. No, like it's okay. I think one, tell myself like not to be so hard on myself. Yeah. Like don't be so hard on yourself. Like you're not doing anything wrong. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. 
like your body's not broken. This is literally just shit happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like things happen to people. And like, as much as that sucks, I get that. But like, please like, just like be gentle with yourself. Give yourself like that grace. You're a human. Allow yourself to feel however you feel. Because the reason why I keep saying that over and over again is because when you allow yourself to feel however you feel, it passes faster. Mm-hmm. When you resist it and you suppress it, it stays so much longer. So if you just yeah. let yourself sit in the suck, mm-hmm. sit in the suck. I don't care how many days you have to sit in the suck for. It's yeah. fine. But you're going to come out of it. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the biggest things. The other things are things like just advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. create boundaries. Actually, if I was going to say my number one tip is to follow your gut. Mm-hmm. And your intuition, like trust yourself. And that's actually part of the reason why, like, I'm so passionate about bringing like food freedom and like creating a healthy relationship with like food in your body to the fertility journey is because I think when you're more connected with your body, which doing that through food and how you feel, it's a lot easier to then trust your intuition. Yep. So, so because, because if I hadn't trusted my intuition, Remember what I said about that first clinic? Like one, I wish I would have trusted my intuition before that all started, but like, I had no idea. But also the thing is that like, after that happened, I could have jumped in and been like, let's do another cycle. Mm -hmm. But I didn't because I was like, "Mm -mm, there's something's not right here. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. And then like, I kind of like, now I can look back and see how things like have fallen into place. Right. Mm -hmm. But just follow your gut. Like it knows so much more than you can. And the last piece of that is just that like, you you don't have the control. Yeah. And that's okay. It sucks. It's really hard, Mm -hmm. but everything in life, we always want control over everything. Mm -hmm. We always want control over everything. And we just don't have that control. Like you just don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, like it would be nice to have, <laughs> have control in a lot of situations, but yeah, we just don't enjoy yes. the ride. Cause I, I feel like that's like the one thing that I'm like, okay, like, but by not having the control, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And like, mm-hmm. okay, just flip the script and looked at it from like a cool perspective of like, you have no idea what's going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah. You never know. Uh-huh. And that's kind of how I feel about some of the things that have happened for us is like, I could not have predicted this. Yeah, absolutely. So true. That's a really good way to flip the script. Like you said, we have no idea what can happen, which is actually kind of a cool and beautiful thing. It's like, who knows what life could look like a year from now, right? You know, just so many things could could happen. So that's a good way to just kind of stay optimistic throughout the journey, even though it's really freaking hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What about any other like favorite Instagram accounts or podcasts or other resources that you love that kind of speak on fertility, whether they're providing helpful tips or just like solidarity, like other women who are going through it, any specific accounts and things that you love. I love if you're familiar, I'll actually, I'm just going to recommend her podcast. There's a podcast called fertile ground. Okay. Um, and she has an Instagram Spencer Brassard. She went through an eight year fertility journey and I actually did work with her and she, we actually interviewed her on the food peace, please podcast, but like, she is one of like the people that has like helped me tremendously with the mental side of this. And so she's like one of my favorites. 
her podcast, especially. And honestly, like other than that, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I don't follow a lot of fertility accounts because it creates a comparison syndrome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. It and that's a, and that's a healthy boundary to have. Yes. Like I follow a few like, um, other women that like post about their journey, but I am very like careful because part of it is that like, because of the mental work that I've done to be where I am right now, sometimes some of those other accounts are just not as helpful. They're, Mm -hmm. um, so Spencer is like one of my bigger ones and that's like the main one I think I would recommend. Okay. That's good to know anything else off the top of my head. I know I have a whole list inside of my course, but yeah, (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. No worries. Well, obviously you can plug your own and share, you know, what your Instagram account is. But first, is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to touch on or any final thoughts on like one piece of advice that you would give to other women who are navigating this journey other than, you know, all the other great nuggets that we've already shared? I think I said most of like the really good things. I think the biggest thing is just like, go live your life, you know, like go live your life and just kind of see, like be open to like what could happen and just trust that you'll like figure it out. But I just, I think it's like continuing to live your life. Like, Mm -hmm. please, please, please do not put your life on hold. Yeah. That's a good, good reminder for sure. And I just, you know, what kind of sparked me wanting to reach out to you was I read the book All Your Perfects by Colleen Hoover. Have you read it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like it was pretty accurate? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I read that book like maybe like a year and a half ago now. And okay. it is really good. Yeah. I'm actually tempted to go back and reread it. Yeah. Um, I did think it was pretty accurate, which makes me curious. I wonder how she got it to be so accurate. She has personal experience yeah. or she interviewed some people. Right. I always wonder that about authors, but, but yeah, I, I felt like it did a really good job of highlighting the struggles that couples mm-hmm. face when they go through that. Cause I think, I think it's something that is still, I don't want to say like taboo, but kind of, I mean, a lot of people aren't talking about it and it's pretty common, you know, it's, it's not, that, I mean, I don't know the statistics or anything, but it's, it's more common than I think people realize. And so it's still not talked about super openly. Um, and so I thought it did a really good job of kind of giving people an inside look at what that looks like for couples. And so again, I, I know that there are women who in my community who do, who are going through this journey. And so I thought it would be really helpful to kind of shed light on it because I have had pregnancy loss, but I've never experienced that side of it. And I think obviously both are extremely challenging in their own ways, but they're so different, you know, and I even had someone submit a question to or kind of a comment and said, you know, she's had multiple losses, but she's never had infertility. And so she's like, I feel like I'm in this like weird in between because you're not in the infertility community because you can get pregnant, but you've had multiple losses. And so it's like, no matter where you are on the spectrum, it's fucking hard. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. She needs the, uh, there is an Instagram that I, I have connected with her and did an Instagram live with her. Uh, I believe their account is recurrent pregnancy loss association. Oh, okay. Um, so maybe to, yeah, link that. that on that list. Cause, uh, the woman that founded that association, um, is like helping to raise money to fund research towards recurrent pe- pregnancy loss. And she, mm-hmm. like, she went through that 
Gosh. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll find it and send it to you just cause I'm okay. hundred percent sure what the yeah. IG account handle is, but oh, oh did you all think your perfects. I feel oh, like, yeah. only, okay. My only other comment about that was yeah. like, I wouldn't say like, I didn't relate to like everything that was in there. Like there was some stuff that was like, maybe not completely relatable, but I actually really appreciated that in the end, she actually, never mind. I don't want to give away the end. <laughs> True. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I know. I think I know where you were going with that. We can talk offline about it after, <laughs> after we're done, because I think I know what you were going to say. Um, yeah. So let's skip to you sharing all about yourself. Where can people find you? And tell us about your program. That's pretty new, right? Yes. Okay. So and your you podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if you want to come follow me on Instagram, I am on Instagram and TikTok, uh, but Instagram is probably my favorite over TikTok. And you can find me at Frida.fertility on both places. And there is where I like, I post all things, no filter. So like, <laughs> I just post like what I think. And I'll tell you that my brother-in-law heard his wife listening to one of my TikToks. And he was like, that sounds a lot like Susan. And then <laughs> he was like, well, that's because it is. And he was like, oh, it sounded exactly like something she would say. <laughs> so I post all things unfiltered. So if you just want like the non-BS like approach to the fertility journey, like come follow me over there. I do share like about like what's kind of going on in our fertility journey, along with talking about like the BS of fertility culture. And then you can also find me on, I co-host a podcast and it is called Food Peace Please. And on there, we talk about stuff about uh, basically all like food freedom, intuitive eating, and always relate it back to um, the fertility journey. And I do have an episode there too, talking about my fertility journey. And then last, but certainly not least, I did just launch back in August, my course, it is called Fertility Nutrition Academy. And it is an online self-paced course, but it does also come with coaching calls with me and a Facebook group. And I'll be honest, there's probably more to come with that. Like it's probably going to be more than it is right now. I really want to create a safe space, a space to bring together women that are going through the fertility journey. And even like looking at more specifically like IVF, um, because of my experience with that, like, I really want to help women going through that. Just, I want you to like, trust your body and like, trust yourself and allow yourself to like, enjoy all the things without feeling so guilty about it. So yeah, come find me, shoot me a DM on Instagram and say hi. Yes. Love it. I love it so much. I'm excited for you for launching your program. That's amazing. And obviously, again, we just have so many overlapping views regarding nutrition. And it's really cool, once again, to hear your perspective from both a dietitian view, but also just what you've been through personally. And I, again, so appreciate you being so open and vulnerable about your experience. And I think, I hope this will be so helpful for women who are going through it because your perspective is super refreshing. And again, obviously it takes time to get to the place where you are today, where you can be open about it. You can laugh about certain things and stuff like that, but just the reminders that you've kind of sprinkled throughout this conversation, I think will be super valuable. So thank you so much for your time and your just wisdom on everything. Yes. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you so much. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.